Or in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, uh, when he's ascending, he says something similar along those lines. And that could also be the first missionary call. But this is, uh, and they are in a way. Uh, and, but this, uh, what happens in Acts chapter 13 is different and just as important. Um, it's the first time that the church, while seeking the Lord, fasting and praying, uh, they hear the voice of the Lord, either in their minds or out loud, we don't know. Uh, call the people of God to go and bring the gospel by the leading of the Holy Spirit from place to place. That is so cool. What an incredible moment. Like, that's how you know you're doing church right. Right? When the Lord shows up and, uh, and calls you out to do stuff and ministers to you as you're ministering to him. The Spirit seeing their fervent passion, their love for Jesus, and the response for what God has done blesses and honors them with a holy and godly mission. What do we see in this passage? This is a rhetorical question, so you can be quiet then. All right? How do we respond to the Holy Spirit? How do they respond to the Holy Spirit? They obey the call. Can you put up that uh, first quote I have there? Charles Swindle, Chucky, for those who know his books well, uh, he says this, Whatever we do, we must not treat the Great Commission like it's the Great Suggestion. It's so simple and cliche to say, but it is such a powerful truth. It is no suggestion. God says, go. Right? Come on. <laughs> Let me explain to you how the kingdom of God works, <laughs> since that was so quiet. When Jesus commands, we obey. That's how the kingdom works. The king commands, okay? He's king, big K. All right? That king commands and the followers obey. If we cannot obey the king, big K, we become the king of our lives, little K. And we have fallen into the same pride that got Lucifer in trouble. That's serious. Obedience is a serious thing with God. What happened to Adam and Eve? They were disobedient. God calls us to obey. Can you put that? I think I have that. We obey. So, yeah, we must obey. It's not a scary thing. It's not something to be afraid of. Obedience to God is the best thing you can do in your lives. Of course, there is grace and mercy for when we mess up. Because God is, is good. And he loves us. And when we repent, he forgives. Amen? Uh, I'm going to speak some more truth to you. Is that okay? If I give you some truth. God is sovereign. Jesus is Lord. The Lord reigns. Jesus is king. 
God is the I am. He is the most high God, God Almighty, Christ, uh, creator of the universe, Alpha and Omega, first and the last. He is over you. Whether you believe it or not, he is over you. That's where he is. You're down here. You may think you're here, but you're not. All right? It's something that we need to come to terms with as believers in Christ. We are not here. We are here. Well, we're kind of here with Jesus. We, we like to fight that line, but we're kind of here, all right? But God is God, and you are not, all right? We have, when he commands it, we obey. Or there's the other side. You know, that black and white scene, all right? I'm not, I'm not just preaching heaven and hell here, although it's real, and we should not forget that it's real, Right? Despite what you believe or don't believe, that is the truth. Belief does not, disbelief does not change it. It's not a choice you make that makes it true. You know, sometimes we ask, uh, uh, have you made Jesus Lord of your life? He's always Lord. Just because you decide to follow him doesn't make him not Lord. He's always Lord. We just come into alignment with that truth when we come to Jesus. Y'all agree with me? Yeah. Is it okay that I'm saying this? Come on. Like, it's, not, it's nothing we should be afraid of. We should be able to speak like this and not be afraid. Like, I'm not saying that we should be fearful for God's wrath upon us. Even though if he wanted to, he could do that because he's God. But we have this image. We have to have this image in the right place. His lordship is not my choice. And to think that it is, is idolatry, plain and simple. That's when we decide for ourselves instead of uh, God being who he is. Jesus has been and will always be Lord over all. Obedience is the only option in our response to his lordship. And we are privileged and honored to be given the opportunity to be God's children in this world. <coughs> it's dry. All right. Shall I keep going? All right. We got time. Uh, so when we look at that passage again, what, do, what else do we see? They didn't dismiss it. When, when God called them, they acknowledged it immediately and said, yes, okay, let's pray about this. Lay hands on me. We're going. All right? They didn't dismiss it. They didn't take some time to think it over. They didn't weigh the cost of losing two leaders of the church uh, who are also just members. Uh, Saul and Barnabas didn't think uh, or say, maybe Simeon and Lucius should go. They're better suited for this. Or they didn't say that, it's just out of my comfort zone. I don't have time for it. I can't afford to go. You know, it, uh, insurance costs too much. My uh, uh, property tax is too much. We live in Espanola. Blah, blah, blah. All right? Uh, we can't afford to go. I can't leave my spouse and my children. 
I'm too afraid to go. What will people think of me if I go? Man alive, we just have so many excuses. Not to obey Christ's calling. What did they do? They acknowledged the Spirit of God, immediately said yes, and acted in faith that God has a plan for them. (coughs) Excuse me. That God has a plan for them, and his plan is for our welfare and not for evil, plans for hope and a future. They knew that. They've read it. They believed it. We must have faith in God. We must obey. We cannot be afraid. God tells us in, the, in Scripture 365 times, don't be afraid. That's one a day. Jesus said, if anyone comes after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's Matthew 16, 24. That's the cost of following Jesus. If you don't believe that, you don't believe this. We can look at the cross and see one of two things. We can see death or we can see life. Those who know Jesus truly and seek after him and sing songs like, to be like Jesus, this hope possesses me. Those who are worshiping to the point of fasting uh, because Jesus is life to them. Those people who won't relent until they hear the voice of the Lord. That do not fear death because they have life in abundance through Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I mean, that hope possesses me. How many have sung that hymn? To be like Jesus, this hope possesses me. Do you guys know that song? Is that just a Salvation Army song? I grew up Salvation Army. Okay, that must be a Salvation Army song. So it goes. (coughs) That's a different song, Richard. Yeah, okay, it's similar, all right? But it's like, uh, to be like Jesus, this hope possesses me. In every thought and deed, this is my aim, my creed. To be like Jesus, this hope possesses me. His spirit wanting me, like him I'll be. There you go. I just went back in time 20 years, pulled that out of my head, and sang it to you perfectly. All right? This hope possesses me. Do you have that hope to be like Jesus? We say it, we want it, right? That's what it is to be like Jesus. To take up your cross daily and follow him. Come on. That's what it is. It's not to say, okay, well, I believe that Jesus saved me. I'm going to go home now and live my life the way I want to live it. Do the things I want to do. Go to church on Sunday maybe once. And I'm saved. I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think so. If you believe that way, you need to read this better. You need to read it more. You need to meet Jesus, (laughs) true Jesus. Do you live and breathe God's glory? Does it cause you to lay down your selfish ambitions, to give up your life uh, for his will, whatever the cost? That's what it means to follow Jesus. Some will disagree, but that's just pride. 
And I pray that you see Jesus rightly today, that you see him for who he is. Jesus is a free gift, sure, but that means that he gave his life freely. For whoever believes in him, not so that you can say I'm good and then not have God on your radar anymore. There is a cost for us. And that is to deny ourselves and follow Jesus. That's the gospel, folks. Whatever it costs, believe upon and follow him. Luke, uh, Luke 14, 25, 33 to 33, Jesus is talking to a crowd of people about the cost of discipleship. And he says to them, Anyone who is not able to leave their parents, their spouse, their child, their siblings, and their own life cannot be my disciple. We have uh, cultivated a culture in North America where our family is really, really, really important to us. It's all about keeping our family safe. Uh, We'll rather spend time with our family, have family vacations, than spend time at a... Bible conference or something like that. Uh, we'll, we'll just have our families very, very close to God. Uh, and if we're not willing to be obedient when God calls us to do something that may move that line lower, uh, sometimes we just don't do it. We'll make up those excuses, right? I've done it. I won't lie. I've done it. I've done a, I've, all of those excuses I've probably said in my lifetime. And more. But we don't need to be weary about that challenge, about that command. We don't need to be afraid to follow Christ. It's not an easy path to follow. He didn't say it was going to be. In fact, he says that when trials come, not if, when trials come. Uh, you're going to have to either take the stance or run away. But that reward when we are obedient outweighs the cost immeasurably, folks. You have to take your cross up daily. When you do that, you will be made perfect. You will be made complete. You will lack nothing in life. There goes my introduction. All right? A little bumpy ride. It's a little smooth sailing from down here. I just had to say some things that were on my heart. I had to do this right. Uh, We must obey, plain and simple. Amen? Can you give me a good amen, please? All right. All right. Sometimes you got to say the hard stuff to get the good stuff. When God calls, we obey no matter the cost. Okay. And how do we know God is calling? Pastor Jason uh, talked about this last week. When there's a need, he's calling you. If there's a need in front of you, he's calling you. It's kind of like who jumps on it first kind of thing. 
I, I want to tell you a story. I'll give you an example. When Trisha and I first moved up here um, and we started attending this church, there was a need for a youth program. This church, uh, this community didn't have anything for, for elementary kids or, or high school kids after hours or something like that. And we noticed that kids were being kids who weren't being watched or held accountable for making childish decisions or, uh, they, you know, they were just getting into trouble, okay? And not like, oh, I did this, like serious stuff, like kids going, in elementary school, kids going to school drunk. Um, and then, you know, it kind of escalates from there. So we saw this need in our community and uh, the church leadership began to pray about it. Uh, a bunch of people were involved. And um, uh, let me find my spot here. We got together, we prayed, we fasted, and we allowed the Lord to tell us what to do. And it wasn't hard. It didn't take long. It wasn't a very hard process. It was pretty clear what we needed to do. We needed to start a youth group. All right? And when we came to that solution, uh, immediately Trisha felt the calling of the Holy Spirit, praise the Lord, and said, I'll do it. We'll do it. I agreed, and so did a bunch of other people. And we started a youth group. A youth group that is still here today. How many years later? Ten? Over ten? Over a decade later? Yeah, Pastor, Ka Pastor Katie kept it going. Praise God for Katie. Two people accepted the call of God and have touched the lives of countless kids in our community. Whether they come to church or whether they come back to church later in life, we don't know. But they've heard the gospel. We kept them safe here in this building instead of out there doing God knows what. You know, often we think that when, when uh, the church needs to do things, it's the pastor's job. Oh, he just... He just stands up there and preaches for 30 minutes uh, once a week. He's got lots of time to do things. Pastor Jason doesn't have time to do nothing. That's why I started uh, leading worship, because let him focus on the word. It was one less thing for him to do. We need to step up when there's needs. That's God calling you. One thing, I'm going to say this, and I'm probably going to get in trouble. One thing that really, really bothered me when we took over Little Kurt is that Pastor Jason called for people to sacrifice a little bit to go there for six months. And no one stepped up. He didn't want the board to do it for, for reasons, but no one else in the congregation stepped up. And that grieved my soul. It hurts when we see needs. Like, that's how people get burnt out. It's not just about the one person. We all have a play in this. We're all part of the body of Christ. We need to be obedient when there is a need. That's God calling you. I had to say it. The Holy Spirit told me to. How many believe that Jesus is a healer? Okay, he's going to heal the toes that I just stepped on. All right? All right. Praise God. Did it cost us something? Did it cost uh, 
Trisha something? Did it cost Katie something? Of course it did. We had to move away from family. We had to suffer trials through it. It's not easy. But is it worth it? Yes. And amen. We must go. You may say that certain people are geared that way, that you were made, uh, that they were made for that kind of calling, and I'm not. That's you talking, not me. Okay, I wasn't either. All right, I'm telling you this that that is just a lie from the devil. You are made for this. You're made for more. Let me give you another example, and this is uh, one about me. Growing up. Bit over bit. Growing up, I was as shy as they come. Yeah. Can you believe that, Richard? I was shy. I don't believe that. <laughs> I was shy. I couldn't play instruments well. There was lots of people who could play instruments better than me. I obviously can't sing that great. But I, I can carry a tune now. But let me tell you, it took practice. And it still takes practice. I, I can't do this and sing at the same time. I can't do this and sing at the same time. It's hard. It takes practice. Public speaking, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dream of it when I was in high school. When we had to give presentations, I would be like, I'm sick. I can't do it. No, I, would, no, I, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't stand up in front of people. I had no desire to, and I didn't want to be a pastor. All, my whole life, God has called me. And for years, years, I denied him. Years. I didn't want to do it. I grew up a pastor's kid. My, pa- my parents are, are pastors in the Salvation Army. Well, they were. They're retired now. Uh, but... They were pastors. I moved around. I know what it's like to be a pastor's kid. I know what it's like to be in charge of people like this. or Not, not like you in a church. Not, let me tell you something. <laughs> not all churches are healthy. Okay? There's a lot of hurting people. And they take it out on the pastor a lot. Okay? I've seen it. I've seen people uh, get the swear at my father during a sermon on a Sunday morning telling him to F off, and they storm out. I've seen it. I've seen what board members who are not following the Holy Spirit can do to uh, harm and just bring down their pastors. I've seen it. I've lived through it. I did not want to be a pastor. I didn't want my wife to deal with that. I didn't want my kids to deal with that. It is hard. When you see Pastor Jason and Arlene and them, you find a way to bless them. Because it is hard work. You have to deal with foolish people. You get to deal with lovely people as well. All right? But you know that it's, there's more of the... You know. But like, and God bless you for, for, for being uh, good members of the church and, and supporting your pastors. I wasn't going to be here on this platform. This isn't easy for me. And then I said yes. And I had to change some things in my life. 
I had to, you know, get up on stage and picture people in their underwear. Something I don't actually remember, uh, recommend doing, okay? It, I don't do it anymore because the Lord told me, all right? But, you know, I'm up here now. And, and it's, you know, it didn't all happen at once. You know, step by step, I said yes, and then I said yes again, and then I said yes again, okay? It's just something we have to say yes to. We have to obey. We have to go when God calls us. I just love Jesus too much to not say yes. I picked up my Bible. I learned big words so I sound smart in front of you guys. Right? I grabbed a guitar. I grabbed a piano when I needed to. Okay? We didn't have a piano player when I started. Well, we had one, but we didn't want to burn them out playing every Sunday. Okay? So I learned the piano. I figured out how to sing a little bit without breaking glass. Okay, I made sacrifices. I gave up free time in my life so that I can practice, so that I can be at church meetings, so that I can uh, read the scripture more, pray more. I made, up, I made sacrifices. And it's hard. It is hard. But it is overwhelmingly rewarding <laughs> when you say yes. You guys get it? Okay, can we put up the other scripture verse? How much time do I have? Can you give me a little bit more time? Okay. Thank you. I was going to do it whether you like it or not, but <laughs> I was trying to be gracious. I'd rather follow this Holy Spirit than you. <laughs> All right. Or, yeah, okay. So Acts chapter 14 this is uh, Paul and Barnabas. Uh, they're, they're in the missions now, okay? They've already gone to a couple places, uh, preached God together in synagogues. Uh, a guy named John Mark joined them and started going with them as well. Um, and now they're in a place called Iconium, okay? I looked it up. That's how you pronounce it, okay? Iconium. Uh, they entered together into the Jewish synagogues and spoke in such a way that great numbers of both Jews and Greeks, Gentiles, believed. Uh, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their mind against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly uh, for the Lord, excuse me, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting them signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided, and some had of the Jews, uh, and some of the oh, were divided. Some sided with the Jews, and some sided with the apostles. When they attempt, uh, when an attempt was made by the Gentiles and Jews uh, and the rulers of the area, so Roman rule, uh, to mistreat them and stone them. Okay, they learned of it and fled to uh, Lustra. It's called. Uh, and Derebe, okay, uh, cities of Lucononia, okay, and to the surrounding country, uh, they, they, and there, see about speaking, they continued to preach the gospel. 
So they had trouble. They didn't turn tail and run. They stayed for a long time. Speaking more boldly, doing greater things, because they were obedient, they stayed. To the point where, you know, there was a serious thing and they were going to get stoned and they, they, they knew what happened to Stephen, okay? He got stoned to death. Um, so they followed the Holy Spirit, probably, and left and went somewhere else. For a time, they ended up going back there and they eventually did, uh, Paul, uh, Saul there, eventually did get stoned. And, they were, and he was dragged out of the city. Uh, and they left him for dead. And then the disciples found him, and while they were around him, he just stood up. I'm assuming they prayed. He stood up, went back into the city, into the synagogue, and preached some more. And then he went back into the towns that these people came from, this mob came from, and preached there on his way back to Antioch. You're going to have trouble. But God will get you through it. If you believe and have faith and say, okay, yes, I obey, I trust you. Powerful. What an image we have. Like, thank God for this. How would we know how to act? How would we know how to be his child, how to follow him. What do we see in this passage? Another rhetorical question. The mission wasn't all butterflies and rainbows. And most aren't. There will be opposition. You know, I thought about this when I was reading uh, the passage. I, why did they just start with signs and wonders? Why didn't they just preach first? Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't miracles, you know, bring more power to people follow them and believe in them? And, and then the Lord told me, he said, it's through words that people are saved. So there is a reason why we have to be vocal about our faith. There is a reason why scripture was not meant to be read in your head, but read aloud. So that the words in this come to life and penetrate your heart. It's only through words that that happens. Speaking it. They trusted God. They got up. They didn't just give up. Then what happened? More opposition happened physical opposition, they were going to get stoned. So they left, preached somewhere else. It happens. Some, some, some pastors don't fit in at certain churches, you know, and they go somewhere else. You know, some, some congregations aren't meant to hear certain things at certain times. But we try, when we trust and we try to believe that God is leading us. Right? And that's not just for pastors, that's for you guys too. They continued to preach the gospel. Can you throw up that uh, another slide? Yeah. Opposition is not only evidence that God is blessing, but it's also an opportunity for us to grow, to stretch us, to bring faith in, to trust more. That's Warren Wiersbe. Pastor Jason likes him, so I thought it wasn't him. 
But when, <laughs> okay, I said that. I believe that when, when Paul got stoned and got up, I believe that's the point in his life where he believed that he could do all things through Christ that strengthens him. He says that later to the Philippian church in a letter. But I believe that every time that he faced opposition, from that moment on, he said, I can do things, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Every time he trusted, we must trust that God is going to back us. I want to leave you with a couple things today. First, trust and obey. Be joyful that you have the honor of being a part of God's mission as his children. Sometimes it will be hard, but hardships just make it that much more rewarding when it's done. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. I'm trying to, you know, this, this older crowd over here, right? <laughs> they know that, okay? <laughs> the Lord says in James 1, 2 to 4, count it all. Don't say, yeah, I have it up there. Does it say count some? Does it say count few? Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The last thing I want to leave you with is another quote. This one's from William Booth, who started the Salvation Army Church of England. And uh, it's become one of the biggest church fellowships in the world. He says, not called, you say? Not heard the call, I think you should say. I think you should say, put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. But your, put your ear down to the burdened, anguished heart of humanity and listen to its pitiful wail for help. Go stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned entreat you to go to their father's house and bid their brothers and sisters and servants and masters not to come there. Then look to Christ, then look Christ in the face, whose mercy you have professed to obey, and tell him whether you will join heart and soul and body and circumstances in the march to publish his mercy to the world. Not called, you're called. Put up that last slide. We are called, and therefore we must go feed the hungry. Stand with the broken and the hurting, the widow and the orphan. Amen?